The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. Welcome to Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. I'm JT. That's Eddie Pascal. We hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving as the Raiders head out on their bye week. we got a big show as we recap the loss to the Kansas City Chiefs and look ahead to the Minnesota Vikings who are coming to town. And Eddie, a lot happening around here now. Some players were released. We'll get to that. There's a rest moment now for the Raiders that they really needed. And now they have to peak no matter what and get ready for the rest of the schedule. Yeah, I mean, once this team gets back into this building next week, JT, it's go time. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the Raiders have kind of put themselves in this position, kind of backed themselves into this corner. And, yeah, it's, it's time to go. Like, if you want to have any delusion of playing in the playoffs, if you want to keep this uh, season going, you got to start rocking. you got to start doing it now. Yeah, you almost have to run the table. We're not there right now. We want to go one game at a time, as we always do on Raiders Roundtable. But it's really important that the Raiders take the good of this season and everything that's been working and the positives. And I think there's been a lot of them. And to build on that and play the best Raiders football they're capable of playing. We were just talking before we came live here on all Raiders platforms that, look, just take more shots, more chances, and play every game like it's your last game. I don't think they have any other choice. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I are both uh, cut from the same cloth in the sense, like, let it rip, right? I, I mean, what do you have to lose at this point in the season? And obviously doing that within the uh, the scheme of the game plan and not being foolish or reckless. But, hey, in these fourth and ones and these opportunities where you can go and put points on the board, hey, let's have fun. Go do it. Let's take a look at the Kansas City game, which was a big one. It's always the biggest game of the year at Allegiant Stadium and Antonio Pierce once again had the team ready to go. They came out and they were flying, flying on that first drive. The offensive line getting a big push, uh, Josh Jacobs getting going early, and they're on the play action, which we'll talk about. A clean pocket, a great throw to Devontae, which has to happen early. These are the scripted plays mm-hmm. that we talk about, the plays that I always say that you're running in Henderson. And look, there's some safety help but confusion. Eddie, there's Devontae getting open, making a catch. Yeah, I mean, it, you, we talk about all the time, like when you want to script out how you're going to, you know, start the game against the Chiefs, this is exactly how you want to do it. You want to go down, control the line of scrimmage, control the clock, put points on the board. That's what the Raiders did. And I love this play here, a short pass. How many times have I sat in this studio and said on on third third, down, no less, on third and under five, just do that, find an open space, and then they go back to the middle of the field. Jacoby Myers scores on this touchdown because it was the middle of the field. That's where the Raiders are vulnerable mm-hmm. on defense, and that's where Kansas City's been vulnerable coming into the game. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought it up that it was on third down, JT, because especially in that first half, Aiden O'Connell and this offense came out flying on they third did. down. That's something we wanted to see last week, and they started 5-for-5. Five five, can't do much better than that. Yeah, I think it was important to connect on those short passes yeah. and get it, and then the Raider defense, they get a great play here behind the line of scrimmage. The swarming defense that we've talked about, the defensive tackles, Bilal Nick, They've played well. It hasn't been a weakness on this team, I think, the defensive tackles. And they knew that Pacheco was going to run hard throughout the game and any chance they had to put their hands on a defender. And there comes Aiden again. Another, that's a difficult throw he made to Jacoby Myers and a great catch. Yeah, 100%. And we talk about Jacoby a lot, but under the radar, having an incredible, we're on that border of having a career year now for Jacoby Myers. He's been an incredible asset for this receiving core, and you hope he can finish strong these final five weeks. Uh, Short third and one here. 
earlier, and the, the handoff to Jacoby, which everybody was keyed on Josh Jacobs, a very important moment early in the game that they had to make sure they get a Renfro touch yeah. here, and he's able to call some crazy legs. That's what the interim head coach calls them. And now the Raiders are in a position where they're driving again to go up again. Yeah, 100%. And just sticking on Renfro real quick, a guy who's having fun playing football yeah. again, JT. You see the mustache, you see the body language, so much better than it was five, six weeks ago, and, and a valuable asset to this team. Eddie, this is what drove me crazy, a third and 11 where they're a yeah. yard short. Yeah, All yeah, yeah. This entire season has been about being a yard short, where two years ago it was about being over the first down mm-hmm. by half a yard and a big decision coming in here. And when you look at the decision that is being made at this point in the game, to go with Carlson here on a chip shot and he just flat out misses it, that was shocking to me. I don't think it killed the Raiders. I don't think it was clearly the difference in the game when we get to Kansas City in the second half. But do you go for it on that play? We'll get back to that. Here's a big, big touchdown by Josh going over Colt Miller, a pancake block. He goes deep to the end zone. Beautiful run. Yeah, Josh Jacobs, circa 2022. Nice to see you again, my friend. But yeah, yeah I mean, this is Josh Jacobs at his best. Uh, I mean, throwing this poor defensive back into another atmosphere, JT. And uh, yeah, got that place jumping, 14-0 Raiders. Now, the issue becomes, should the Raiders have been up 17 yeah. nothing or 20 21 nothing. I think it's fair to debate if they go for it. Why not go for mm-hmm. it at this point in the season? And then they could potentially be up 21 to nothing. And if they were up 21 to nothing, I think that you'd be looking at Kansas City taking three quarters to get back into the game instead of, you know, 17 nothing, 14 nothing, which is something you want to do. No excuse. You want to be up in that game. But then Kansas City just started to do what they did best, and I think it was spreading the Raiders out and going to that wide receiver that wasn't double-teamed. Yeah, and, and I think, JT, you know, sitting in that stadium, you have that feeling that this Chiefs offense is inevitable mm-hmm. a little bit. They yeah. are going to get theirs, and that's what they did. And we go back to, the you know, after they score here, that next drive to me where the Raiders weren't able to put any points on the board before the half, that to me is kind of the turning point of, of uh, Sunday's yeah, game. Yeah, we're going to get to that. I thought it was an absolute master class right here. Look where they're at. They're on their side of the field. This is Andy Reid at his best. First off, why is no one putting their hands on Kelsey? Something we'll get into later. Why is Kelsey getting a free release? And not only did they score. Look, they're nowhere near the end zone here. He's making this throw by the shield on that big connection to Kelsey again. That's what he does. What's so great about Reid is he took all the time off the clock and scored. And scored to start the third quarter. That's what he's the best at. And I mean best of all time. All time at that, the end of the end of the second quarter, beginning of the third, yeah, the, and he executed. Yeah, the here. double dip. He's going to the Hall yeah. of Fame as a double dipper, man. I mean, dipper. it's that is as, as good as you can do. And, and at the thing for me, JT, is we look at some of the kind of crazy timing-based stuff the Chiefs do, and they make it look so easy. Yeah. And it's the furthest thing from bat, but credit to Andy Reid and Mahomes, because they've been doing it for a long time, doing it at a high level. Eddie, we saw it in the Super Bowl where they played Philadelphia and they ran a couple of motion plays yeah. outside the end zone, and there was no one home. For Philadelphia, a really good team, and on that play it was similar. I just can't believe that Kelsey is running free again without getting his hands or someone putting their hands on him there. But here's Mahomes uh, starting off the third quarter there running. Uh, that's what he does, running across his body, uh, making another big play for a first down here. And everybody in the building knew 
at this point that Kansas City was going to score and go up in this game, and then the Raiders would be trailing and have to dig out of the hole. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, man, it's so tough, JT, because we talk about the inevitability of the Chiefs' offense, and you feel like in that first half, to your point, you have that opportunity to go up 17-21. Do the Chiefs, are they capable of coming back from a a lead like that? Certainly, but you want to put as many points on the board early as you can, and unfortunately, the Chiefs just did what the Chiefs do. Well, coming into the game, we knew that, and here's another Pacheco touchdown. Coming in, we know that Kansas City had three games where they didn't score. In, in the, the second, second half. half. Yeah. That wasn't the case here. Eric Allen made a really good point with me early in the week that the Raiders don't have enough players on defense who have played together for long periods of time, including the veterans who have played Kansas City enough to really understand the concepts of Kansas City other than film. They don't have the instinct on the field here, but there's Max Crosby and Max making a play here. And after we found out what he was going through, the first ever doubtful player this year to play. What'd you think of that? Yeah, I mean, one one of 67 guys, right? And that's Max Crosby, one of one. And and just a guy who epitomizes everything that is right and good about this organization. What is right and good about the game of football, JT? I mean, he is, you know, he is... Is who you know is who he is, and he's, there's a reason he's the unquestioned leader on this football team. Uh, there was an easy throw to Michael Mayer. You see that? You say why not more? Where are the targets for mm-hmm. Michael Mayer? It seems like he's single covered all the time, and he's going to be able to make a play here. And the Raiders wanted to come back. Uh, great, unbelievable throw and catch here on third and four. And the Raiders are down at one score in this game as O'Connell is trying to move everybody. Hey, how about more of that? Yeah. How about more of that? Let's make a big play and let's get back in into the huddle or not take a huddle and try to uh, build on some good energy Yeah, here. tempo, tempo, tempo. And going back to Mayer for a second, I think coming out of this bye week, JT, I would like to see him get involved consistently because when he gets his opportunities, and, and Aiden O'Connell has given him his chances, all this kid does is perform. So let's see that consistently coming back after the bye. 209, okay? The Raiders are there, 21-17. The first play out of 209 is the nemesis. Yeah. Once again, the first play after the score that cuts it to below a one-score game, it's Kelsey again running free, and then this touchdown to Rice was unbelievable. It was a crossing route. No one was home. Uh, the Raiders really got confused on the back end of this deal. Just a short pass right over the middle there. Uh, Hobbs is trailing, but the safeties are too busy covering their men to peel off and make a play yeah, before it, the end and zone. And again, we were talking about what Andy Reid does really well, and this is it, putting his guys in position exceed. Something that doesn't look overly complicated, but then his guys just end up in the end zone. Another nice pass by Patrick Mahomes here. 28-17 and the game is slipping away. Third and three. What do you want to do here? Third and three. Get the quarterback. Splane's got his hands on him. Look at the score. It's 28-17 you got to get two scores, a field goal and a touchdown here, and the Raiders get the ball back again, Eddie. But the issue becomes they just can't get anything going. 28-17, under eight minutes to go in the game. Another third and ten, which is short by half a yard. And then the Raiders, I don't understand this concept. I don't understand this play. It's not even close. I don't understand how that play could be called at that point, starting a running back seven yards deep, trying to get a yard, and he doesn't get back to four yards behind the line of scrimmage. That play cannot be called at that point in the game. You're down two scores. The clock is running. you got to attack downfield. And then, hey, if you turn it over on downs, the game's over anyway. It's a 31-3 to turnaround for Kansas City. Yeah, and we see this in college football all the time, JT, where we see those fourth and shorts, and you have guys lining up in the pistol. And it's one thing I'll never understand but you know I would have loved in that situation we've seen O'Connell be pretty effective when the quarterback sneak right the kid needs a yard let him go get the yard behind this big offensive line let's take a look at the final stats of the game uh all of it 
was okay for the Raiders. Yeah. The one that jumps out at me is third down, 7 of 14, but most of that was early, as you talked about. It was on that go up 14 nothing. those third downs. They were really efficient. As Coach Pierce said, the game was lost in red zone efficiency. Kansas City 3 out of 4, Raiders 1 out of 3. Time of possession was a wash. Passing yards pretty much even. Raiders have the one big run uh, for Josh that gets them to 123, but the Raiders still struggled in the running game other than that big run. Yeah, 100%. I think this is when you look at the numbers, JT, kind of a confusing game if you kind of just mm, dive yeah. into the uh, dive into stats, where if you would have told me that Josh would have gone over for 100, it would have, uh, time of possession, your point, would have been a wash. Mahomes would have been under 300. Like, okay, I, I like the Raiders. Oh, and the Raiders went up 14 nothing. Like, I would have loved the Raiders' chances, but unfortunately, you talk about the red zone inefficiency coming to rear Ted again, and uh, that's one of the reasons the silver and black fell. Yeah, the Raiders have lost to two really good teams yeah. back-to-back. Two teams are 100% That's a, that's going a great to the point, too. Yeah, they, they lost to Miami and they lost to Kansas City. I thought Miami kept the Raiders in the game. I thought the Raiders outplayed Miami, but they lost the game. They, they got the start on Kansas City that you have to have. Last year, up 17 nothing. Remember, one mm-hmm. of the five losses with double-digit leads. You get up 14 nothing, and I think the debate topic that I talked about on radio would it have made sense to go for it on fourth down instead of the field goal? And would that have changed the game? The point I'll say is this. When you're up and you're winning, if you're down 14 nothing, you're desperate. The Raiders weren't desperate. At the time when they tried the field goal, I was there. I was sitting in my seats. I wasn't losing. I'm saying, okay, go get the points. In hindsight, which is what we do in the media there, I think the Raiders should have went for the juggler there because it could have changed the aspect. Down 21 nothing. I don't care how good of a team you are, even if you're the world champs, it's going to take a lot to dig out of that hole. Yeah, and I'm with you 100%, JT, where at the time I said, look, Take the points, especially in the first half. You're feeling good. Take the points. Go up for or excuse me, ten nothing at mm. the time. But yeah, to play the hindsight game, that offense was rolling on that drive. Yeah. That offense was rocking and rolling. You're telling me Josh Jacobs can't get you one yard? So I look. I understand in the moment what Antonio Pierce was thinking, a hundred percent. But like you said, we get to play the hindsight game now. And uh, does twenty-one nothing change the course of this game? Maybe, possibly. But it's good to talk about. Well, I think twenty-one nothing changes the body language, halftime, yeah. everything in that game. But again, the Raiders came up short and. You got to tip your cap to Kansas City. When we come back, the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz, will join us. We'll get his opinion as he called the game and look ahead to the Minnesota Vikings as we continue. This is Raiders Roundtable. Welcome back to Raiders Roundtable with Eddie Pascal. I'm JT. We bring in the voice of the Silver and Black, Jason Horowitz, who's kind enough to join us. And we know about the party. You're up there and you got a bird's eye view. You join me at the torch on every pregame show. And the Raiders, Jason, got off to a early lead, 14-0. You dream of a start like that against Kansas City. Take us through the beginning of the yeah. game and how the Raiders found early momentum. Well, a couple of things. I, there were there were three things going through my mind when it was 14-0. The first thing was something you guys talked about earlier, which is it felt like it should have been more. The second thing was it was 17 nothing last year in Kansas City week five and a game that the Raiders lost 30 to 29. And the third thing was, oh my God, Antonio Pierce is going to get the full-time job on Monday. <laughs> so, so all three of those things were going through my head at the exact same time because it really, uh, it really was a miraculous start. I, I don't remember the exact number when, when Josh Jacobs had the 63-yard touchdown run, but I believe it was something to the effect of Raiders were up in the yardage 221 to 13, I think it was, because the first drive they went 75 yards, the second drive 69 yards, and then 
that two play touchdown drive was a 77 yarder as well. And the chiefs had only had seven plays at that point. So it really was a miraculous start, but you know, they did, they weren't able to sustain it. The chiefs went down the field and scored and, and then the Raiders went three and out and you know, rest is history. Yeah. I mean, anytime you, you end the game on a 31 to three uh, run on the bad side of that, Jason doesn't typically spell good things for your team, but you know, we go back to those first couple drives, Aiden O'Connell in particular, very much looks in control, very much looks like a guy who's progressing, getting better and better week after week after week. When you've seen him specifically in that first je- half, Jason, what did you kind of take away from his day at the office? Well, actually, I so I Aiden actually had, I believe, the highest QBR, ESPN, not the quarterback rating that's the perfect is around 158 point whatever, but like ESPN's rating of QBR where the highest is 100. I believe Aiden had the highest QBR of any quarterback here in week 12. The problem that I have right now is, and I'm not, I don't even think it's an Aiden thing. I think it's something that we're starting to see as a pattern. Aiden has had miraculous fantastic first quarter after first quarter after first quarter. The problem is it's not sustained. And so, and I don't even think it's him. I think it's the offense. If you go back to Miami, 10, seven lead, Aiden was nine of 10, a hundred and some yards, a, a touchdown. They didn't have a first down in the second or third quarter. You go to this game, Aiden was 11 of 12 uh, for a hundred and some yards and a touchdown. And then he was like two of his next six or seven. And so something there with consistency has to change, and I, whether it's play calling or, or offensive line protect, whatever it might be, something within that has to change because when you come out and you're showing that well early, no reason that that can't be sustained. And I think that's something that they need to figure out after the buy here. You bring up a great point. It's something that I've been hammering home for months now, even before Aiden O'Connell was made the starter. When the Raiders have an explosive play, a big play, immediately following that, they typically run it into a pile. They take all the momentum that they have on a great play where they should be racing back to the line of scrimmage to run another big play because it worked. And some people have told me too, Run the plays that work again. I've talked to Hall of Famers yep. about it and insiders. You run a play like you ran to Jacoby Myers early in the game for a touchdown. Where is that exact mm-hmm. play again? Not, not the next play, but in the second, third, fourth quarter. And what the Raiders are doing here is they want to establish the run so much so when the kid has a great explosive play, instead of giving him another chance to have another one immediately, it feels like we're waiting 10, 12 plays, yeah. and we know the three and outs. And, Jason, they were 7-14 of on third down. You called the game. Most of that was early in the game when they had momentum. Yeah, they- the three and outs have been really hurting the team after explosive plays. Yeah. JT, they were five of five to start, right? I mean, you talk about all. How do you get to a tw- uh, 221 to 13 yard advantage? They were five of five, mm-hmm. and so you just said the stat. They finished two of nine after that. And here's the other thing, you guys. Like, so a 31-17 loss to the Chiefs is still a double-digit deficit. It's still a uh, you're far away. Um, it doesn't feel like this team is that far away from two of the teams that are the three top teams in the AFC, right? They were right there with the Dolphins two weeks ago. I think a lot of Raiders fans feel they should have won that game because of the way the defense gave them opportunities to win. But the reality is there was not a first down to be had in the second or third quarter. Uh, and then against the Chiefs, you build a 14 nothing lead where if they go for it on fourth and a half a yard, uh, maybe it's 21 nothing. maybe it's set. Even if he makes the field goal, right? Daniel Carlson doesn't miss, miss kicks inside mm-hmm. of 40 yards. So even 17 nothing against the Chiefs is a big number. That's a three-score lead 20 minutes into the game. That's a big deal. Um, and, and so 
of those things come together. But here's the other big problem. Like if we pull ourselves back, take ourselves out of the emotion of, of a cl- put this in quotes because it's 14 point loss, a close loss. Um, the reality though, guys, is that still have played 12 games and three out of four now since Antonio Pierce took over where the offense still has not scored 20 points. Mm-hmm. And so the and I realize it feels different with Antonio Pierce at the helm and it does like all of us can feel that and see that. Um, but in terms of results, in terms of the things that people were complaining about before Josh McDaniels was fired, the overall point total is still the same problem. And so something there is yeah, and to JT's earlier point, Jason, I mean, it's it's very clear that the Raiders want to be a run-first team. That is what they want to do. That is how, at this point, they feel like they're built and they're best able to compete. But, I mean, we take away that one Josh Jacobs run on Sunday, and this team's still averaging under three yards a carry, right? So it, it feels like you're kind of in this tough spot where you want to run the ball, where you want to, that's who you want to be, that's who you feel your identity is, but you're not able to do it successfully and do it on a, you know, on a sustained way. So, Jason, when you kind of look at this offensive line, and I don't want to pin the whole thing on the offensive line. I don't think that's fair and just. But what does this offensive line need to do when they come back from the bye to kind of jumpstart this run game a little bit? I, I think I'd be a pass-first team, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is crazy to say because I, I, I get the idea of why you want to be a run-first team and it opens up the other things and you've got a young quarterback and all those things. But um, some of the success this team has had, especially in the first quarter, is when they have come out and thrown the football. And 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 I, I'd like to think that that opens things up for the run. Look, if if you come out and show you are a passing football team that's going to threaten the defense down the field, they can't put eight in the box. And I don't know how many times the Chiefs did that. I mean, you've got Chris Jones in the middle. Uh, Mike Dana played really well. Like there were a bunch. George Karloftis had that last sack. Like there were a bunch of plays made by Willie Gay and company mm-hmm. in the backfield. Drew Tranquil. So I don't know that how much of it was that the Chiefs had eight in the box. But certainly earlier this year, it was teams were stacking the box. And so I, I, I don't know that the answer is as simple as I just made it out to be, but this team might just not be able to be a run first team. Uh, and so maybe that's the answer is that you want to be, but maybe you can't be. Yeah. it's another really good mm-hmm. point. We're not all here to agree as we always say here on Raiders round table, but I see a lot of the big runs being on the outside. They got to choose if they're a left-handed or right-handed team. They got to come up with this because when they run up the middle, it's not, it's never there. And everybody knows they're running up the middle. Stop running the ball up the middle. You don't have elite guys in the middle. You have an elite player in Colt Miller on the outside. Run it behind him. And then the other big issue becomes chipping. This is the big problem I've had all year is that you have Michael Mayer, who's not an elite blocker because he's a rookie, but he's an elite pass catcher. So use him as that. If you're going to have him in there to chip – He's going to come off the chip. He's going to be in single coverage. If you line him up more to the slot and on the outside, then he can get a little bit looser and you can go to him. He's not an offensive lineman. He's an elite pass-catching tight end out of Notre Dame. He could block in college because he was bigger than everybody. He's not bigger than everybody in the NFL. Get him loose. And then leave Josh in to block. He's a he's an elite Eddie blocker. Yeah, he's got so a lot of great. If with you're going to leave him yeah. in to block, you got one guy in. Let this let this offensive line do their job. Let him say, "Here's the deal. We got the offensive line. We're going to do a favor and leave Josh in to block on this pass play. Let's go Hunter. Let's go Mayer. Let's go Jacoby Myers. Let's go Devontae. Maybe Trey Tucker five wide, but four wide. And like you said, 
possibly become a passing team. Jason, I don't think they're going to be a predictable passing team that comes out and throws on every down, but they've got to find signature plays within this offense. There's no more excuses. They tore down the initial playbook. They gave it to someone new who's been okay calling the plays here in Bo Hardigree. Now find what you do best the rest of the season where you have to almost run the table and run those plays. Yeah. So a couple of things when you were talking there, JT, that stand out. Number one, I agree with you on Michael Mayer, but he's also the one who sprung Josh free. Mm-hmm. Like if you go back to that 63-yard run uh, my in the booth, something you know can't always tell immediately, but you go back and watch that play, it's Michael Mayer who opened the hole, uh, who, who pushed the whoever he kicked out to, to get Josh into the second level. So, you know, I, there have been times where he has shown that he can be a, a great blocker. Um, and, and, you know, Link has pointed this out from the earlier part of the season to now when Jacoby Myers kicks down and like the receivers have to block. So it, it's a combination of a lot of things. Obviously a lot is on the offensive line too. Um, but here's the other part I would, you know, and, and I, I would like to see them move the pocket more. Yeah. You know, you talked about Michael Mayer when he chips and gets outside when they, when they throw the tight end in the flat, it's open for 15, 20 yards, you know, and it's happened a lot. The other thing that I'm curious about though, and I'm not really sure, whether this is adjustments or not, um, you guys talked at the beginning of the show about last year and double-digit blown leads that the team had and the NFL record that was set for most amount of um, double-digit blown halftime leads in, in NFL history. Um, one thing that stands out from that, and then also this year, is that this team, at least since I've been a part of it, has been really good to start ball games, right? Like, mm-hmm. you go to the Buffalo game, 38-10, but how did that game start? Devontae. The Raiders went right down the field and scored a touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you don't get double-digit leads last year to blow unless you start really well and have a lot of first or second drive touchdowns, which they had, and and they had some of that this year too. So I, I I'm not positive why um, the adjustments aren't working or the initial game plan is so good and the offense is so good and then it stalls. I'm not sure. Um, Someone's going to have to look at that, too, and figure that out also. Yeah, we talk about that hot start, Jason, up 14 nothing. But yeah. JT and I were saying, look, it feels like we all know that this Kansas City offense is just inevitable. They're going to show up at some point. Mahomes sure. is going to Mahomes. Kelsey's going to do his thing like he's done for the better part of a decade. But we look at this defense now uh, coming or coming out of Sunday, Jason, and, and it felt like to me we had a lot. We saw a lot of explosive plays, understandably, from the Chiefs offense. But how do we kind of make sense of, of – you know, realizing how the Raiders' defense played, because there were moments where they, yeah. I thought they did really well. But then on the flip side, surrendering those offensive plays. And in a game like you know, you're going to play against the Chiefs, you got to find a way to limit Kelsey. And unfortunately, the Raiders just weren't able to do it. Yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey had, I want to say, three plays of 20 yards or more. It might have only been two. But Travis Kelsey came into week 12 of this year's NFL season with only four plays of 20 yards or more. Mm-hmm. And so at a minimum, he had 50% of that in one game. So that, you know, that was something that they knew. But but Lincoln talks about this every week, right? Why don't the Raiders do this? Other teams do it to the Raiders. Um, and what he's talking about is crossing routes, right? Like mm-hmm. the Rasheed Rice touchdown was a 38-yard pass where it was a crossing route. And, and there were a lot of crossing routes that the Chiefs picked up on third and seven, third and five, second and nine, whatever. And they went for 15, 16 yards. It wasn't. You know, you guys are showing right now here on the video the, the missed tackle to Sky Moore, and that might have been what got Marcus Peters benched and ultimately cut. But, like, yeah, you know, that that it's not just that, right? I mean, there were a lot of plays where the guys were trailing and they just weren't able to keep the guys in front of them. But I, 
I'm with you in that it felt like the defense made some plays. And I think part of that is the 14-0 start where you had two drives and they gave up a total of 13 yards. And and, and it all started with Bilal Nichols, right? Guys mm-hmm. on the first play of the game dropping Isaiah Pacheco for a 13-yard loss. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it started with some of that stuff. Um, yeah, it wasn't sustainable and that and that certainly was problematic. And here comes the Vikings, right? And so now like the next two games, and it's gonna be after a bye week, and they're both gonna be at home. Um the Vikings don't know who their quarterback is. You know, maybe it's Josh Dobbs and maybe it's the Josh Dobbs that was running all over Atlanta when he came in and had been there for 36 hours and didn't know the playbook and it's backyard football. And oh my God, we win. Maybe it's that Josh Dobbs. Or maybe it's the one we saw on Monday Night Football where he couldn't do anything against the Chicago Bears. So we don't know what Josh Dobbs you're going to get. And then you get the Chargers and you know you get Justin Herbert, but it's not like their offense is in sync right now either. They have Keenan Allen and that's it. Right. And so you get those two, you get those two games to kind of see where this defense is and you don't have Marcus Peters. And I think at the moment that from a tackling perspective, that's certainly a good thing to change to somebody else. Um, And then we'll see where we are. I want to get to teamer coming up here and Marcus Peters. One other point uh, before we, and we'll get to the Vikings is the Vikings are a broken play football team. And that works well against the Raiders. Mahomes is an elite, Mm -hmm. the greatest broken play quarterback of all time. So when the play breaks down, you don't have to face, you know, Patrick Mahomes 17 games a year. But Dobbs does the one thing at a many, many, many level that we see with Mahomes. Broken play, he's going, he'll throw across his body. We'll get to that coming up. I think I know that Peters was on the verge of getting cut after the Chicago game. And he, he barely got out of the building after that, and he should have been cut. And he was able to hang on, and he got cut because of his lack of effort and his body language, which cannot happen under interim head coach Antonio Pierce. You don't have to be the best player. But when you do get pulled from the game, you don't put a beanie on and go down the sideline by yourself in a game that's a one-score game. You don't do that, so you're out of here. And then Teamer made a mistake, and it's a big mistake. Luckily, no one got hurt. He didn't get injured in this, but that's they got to be accountable. And, Jason, I just want to go back to the interim head coach, Antonio Pierce. He had to do that. He's gaining credibility around the building. Everything he's doing, he's doing right. I mean, literally everything. You can talk about game managing, fourth and one, but that was an important moment for him that says, we're not going to put up with this. Yeah. Well, I mean, you think about what Antonio Pierce was as a player. I mean, he was a massive effort guy, right? Yeah. He was also a team captain. He, which, what does that say to you? That says leadership. That says, I know as a player and a captain what I need my guys on defense to be doing. And, you know, the Roger Teamer thing is obviously separate and different than Marcus Peters. One's off the field, one's on the field. Um, but but that's that's something that we need to have here. And that's what I – look, if he's going to be the, uh, the permanent head coach mm-hmm. – he needs to establish the culture that he wants to have and that he feels that his team needs to have. And that clearly wasn't it. Um, you know, and I've been listening to Lincoln talk about Marcus's Marcus Peters inability to tackle or maybe more appropriately, uh, his unwillingness to tackle. And he's been talking about it during games and broadcasts for, you know, mm-hmm. six, seven, eight weeks now. So, you know, I, I almost to the point where I said, you know, hey, um, this is the Raiders broadcast. We're just calling it like we see it, but at the same time, like, hey, hold on a second. We still work for the team here. So, so um, you know, one of those type of things. So I, I, I get both of those moves, uh, and obviously those are very different reasons to release two guys on the same day, um, but I, there's no way not to 
understand that you absolutely understand both of those yeah yeah i mean the nature of the beast too jason is one guy goes out and provides an opportunity for someone else so we look at a jack jones we look at a jacorian bennett getting back in the mix a guy like tyler hall i mean now going down the stretch here when this team gets back from the bye i mean it's no secret and we talked a lot about it marcus peter's inability to kind of tackle especially on the outside it lack of wanting to tackle however you want to phrase it but now we have an opportunity a clean slate for at least some of those guys jason what do you want to see from some of these young guns coming down the stretch especially of those guys playing in in the uh, in the DB room, well, I mean, diff- I think they're different, right? Amik Robertson, who also has been getting all this time since week three or four, uh, you know, he's he's a playmaker, and I think that's you know, you keep- one of the other things, guys, that we're seeing is their their desire to punch the ball out, right? Force fumbles. We've seen more of those recently too, and so so you're getting that. Um, you know, Jacorian Bennett is a rookie. I think there was a lot of excitement in camp. He was running with the ones the whole time. It hasn't fully played out that way. Uh, in actual games, he's had some tough learning lessons and mm-hmm. things like that. So you want to see improvement when he's on the field. Jack Jones, a guy, another guy that last year made a lot of plays for the Patriots. But, you know, they had some concerns with him in New England about uh, mm-hmm. whether it was effort or or being on time or whatever it is. So like that, you know, that we're not around uh, Antonio Pierce in the, in the room right now to see how that's going. But those, those are two that clearly have a relationship. So I, I think you just want to see improvement. And you know, they're going to see some tough receivers, right? Justin Jefferson didn't play last night. Justin Jefferson's going to be back. Mm-hmm. The the, the yeah. NFL Offensive Player of the Year last year is going to be coming off missing, what, seven straight games. He's going to have a bye week, and he still has nine weeks for his hamstring to heal. We'll see how healthy he is, but he's going to play. That's a massive test for what is going to be a young secondary. You know, you're, you got Robertson in his fourth year. Nate Hobson is in the third. Jack Jones is in his second. Jacorian Bennett's a rookie. So mm. so your corners uh, are, are younger guys and, and trying to make a name. So they're going to be tested here. And then after that, you go to Keenan Allen, who's, I don't know, I don't know what he had on Sunday night, but he's on pace to have like 140 catches. So mm. he's having a massive season. And then it's back to Kansas City. Uh, so... You know, you want to see improvement. And this was a pass defense that was given up less than 200 yards a game a couple weeks ago before Miami. Um, But it was a run defense that struggled. Now the run defense seems to be a little bit better. uh, But the pass defense is struggling. So, you know, you just want the kind of the balance. Yeah. Well, we're looking at the schedule now. And the Chiefs game is looming again on Christmas. But I will say this. Here's what I embrace about the schedule. I didn't like the bye week in week 13 at all. And I'm, I'm tricking my mind to say it's really coming at a good time now. It would have been great if they got it at week 7, 8, or 9 because I think they needed it then. But they desperately need it now because of Max Crosby and Colton Miller. So the Viking game is a must win. We all know that. And I love that because they have no more excuses. Eddie and I were talking about going for it on fourth down. No more field goals. And if they don't beat the Vikings, then put every young kid out there and let them play the rest of the season. Let them play and then sit some other guys, get some guys healthy and do that. So this becomes a must-win game against the Vikings, who you said is also on the bye week, before the Chargers at home. You get a nice little window to win two in a row. The Chargers, if they lose their next game, are out of it. Matter of fact, I think they're out of it. And if they can, if they can win the next two, the Raiders get another mini-bye. They get from the 14th to the 25th off to play at Kansas City. So I'm looking at this as glasses half full. 
take out the Vikings and finish their season. If they go 6-7 and seven in the NFC with Dallas and Philadelphia and the Niners, they're toast. They're done. You finish their year off at Allegiant Stadium. You win the game, then you keep all that momentum, and you're still at home against your rival, the yeah. Chargers, and the Chargers' season is on the brink. This is a great opportunity, Jason, to go back-to-back, but you got to beat the Vikings first. So the, the Chargers may be complete. So two things. Number one, the NFC this year and the AFC are very different. Right. So, even you know, the Vikings aren't going to be out of it. Like, remember, the Raiders weren't out of it until New Year's last year, even though when we lost in Pittsburgh, we're six and nine. You know, we were really out of it. But officially, mathematically, we weren't out of it until New Year's Day, because last year, the AFC had the team at the, you know, the last place team was what were they? Nine and eight. Mm -hmm. The AFC this year has 10 teams out of the 16 who are over 500. The NFC only has six Right, the Falcons are an NFC South division leader at five and six, and the la- and the team right now uh, that is, I, I believe, uh, like half game out of the playoffs is the Packers, who are five and six. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, the Vikings aren't going to be out of it because the NFC is just not as good this year. Which, which I actually think is a is a is a moral boost maybe for the Raiders because you're going to take you are up against it and they are not which is almost kind of the reason I was rooting for them to beat the Bears last night mm-hmm. because you go into the bye, they're feeling better about themselves, the Raiders are more desperate, whatever, right? I guess that probably doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But you're right about the Chargers, right? It is a must-win game for the Raiders against the Vikings. You get that. It's a quick turnaround against a Chargers team that will, by all accounts, be completely out of the playoffs in that game. And you're going to have a Thursday night game for the Chargers after they both play on Sunday for a team that's out of the playoffs, you have no – again, injuries are going to happen, so you have no idea. But it's going to be one that they're all fired up about. We all know that players hate Thursday night football. <laughs> they all hate it. They None of them feel their bodies are ready. They've been saying that since it got – it. this is not about player safety. This is, this is about the NFL wanted to have Thursday and more TV and Amazon Prime and its own window and the whole thing, and we all understand that. Um, but the players hate it. And so if the Chargers are completely out of it, that's not a day they're going to be fired up for. So you get the Vikings game. As you said, it is a must win. And it's going to be a must win in front of a crowd, uh, JT, that's going to be a lot like we saw on Sunday. There are going to be a lot of yellow and purple in the building. There's a lot of them I, coming. I think I heard a stat. I think I heard a stat before the season that the Vikings game was the one where the mm-hmm. visiting team had the most amount of secondary market tickets already. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's something they're going to have to deal with. But you get that game the Chargers, and then you get a lot of build-up to Kansas City on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's a must-win game for both teams. Mm-hmm. So let's know that, and hopefully the Raiders perform better at home. Jason, always great seeing you. We'll see you out here for an extended stay as we got those two games in four days. Looking forward to spending some time with you. See you guys. Thank you. There he is, Jason Horowitz. And when we come back, we'll go around the AFC West, which ideally the Raiders had an opportunity to pick up a game and get back into it. They didn't. The schedule we just covered. And what's at stake is the Minnesota Vikings will come in after the bye week as we continue on Raiders Roundtable. Wrapping up Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. That's Eddie Pascal, JT. Thanks again to Jason Horowitz for jumping on with us as it's the bye week. And we're happy about the bye week, especially in the building. A lot of people work really hard 
especially our team at Silver and Black Productions with all the platforms we have, including today. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk about the buy always comes at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. I think everyone in this room, everyone in our control room, everyone in this building could use a little rest and recovery. Yep, for we're a few out of days. here right yep. after this you one. Got it. So we'll play it out here. We'll look around the AFC West where the Denver Broncos have won five in a row Ooh. and they're playing well. They're playing well. The back end of their defense is the strength of the team, but we knew that Sean Payton would fix Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson now has a really good QBR. He's moving in and outside the pocket. He's making throws, and a lot of their players are now buying all in. They're all in right now, and they got a chance, a real good chance, to make the postseason with their schedule in front of them, and that Raider game at the end of the year is a big one. I mean, you and I have been talking all season, JT, where we felt like Russ was going to figure it out, where the Sean Payton-Russell-Wilson relationship was going to get on track. I didn't think, candidly, it was going to get on track like this. Mm. And now we talk about the the Broncos as being contenders of sneaking their way into the postseason. Well, if they would have just lost one more game on this run, yeah. I think they pretty much would have been eliminated. But they're doing everything right. Their fans are energized. We'll see them again. We haven't lost to them in a long time. Mm. But uh, they're going to get better players. This is going to be something that the Raiders and the organization is going to have to deal with now. As we understood, you got Andy Reid and Sean Payton. In this division, and you're going to have to deal with two coaches that you're not going to sneak up on. They're going to know your playbook, and you got to learn theirs. Yeah, 100. percent And we talk about some of the time on task. We mm. use that term a lot, and it feels like Russ and Sean Payton are figuring it out together. That uh, it was only a matter of time until they did that. And now we look at 29-12 win over a good Cleveland yes. Browns team. This is not the, your your mom and dad's Cleveland Browns team. This is a good football team that they. Oh, beat. it's another team where Dorian uh, DTR is playing mm-hmm. because Deshaun Watson's out, Joe Burrow's out. You look at the quarterbacks. It's been a rough year in the NFL. I can tell you that. It's been fueling my radio shows is the fact that the NFL product overall, overall, the entire league is down this year because of quarterback injuries and backup quarterbacks who are not playing well. We have a quarterback that started off the season, a third string quarterback who's now the starter and playing well for Aiden O'Connell. There's some other teams out there that have backup quarterbacks in a situation where they're trying to make the playoffs. Cleveland, the Vikings, who we're talking about, it's hard to do. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the kind of glaring takeaway from the 2023 season is the importance of the backup mm-hmm. quarterback position. If, if you're a team like the Bengals, if you're a team like the Browns, who has these these goals and aspirations of playing in the postseason, mm-hmm. of competing for a Lombardi Trophy, you have to have that position squared away. You absolutely have to. It can't be a luxury anymore, JT. If you want to really make any noise in the NFL, you have to have a quality backup quarterback. No doubt about that. Then we move on to what Baltimore did against the Chargers. That's a great win. It was a sloppy game, mm-hmm. ugly game, and that's how Baltimore plays. Baltimore really struggles in the fourth quarter of games, but Lamar Jackson can make throws. They're, they're, what I love about Baltimore, and I really do, is their culture is defense. Going back to even before Ray Lewis and Suggs and our friend Rod Woodson, who played there, and the great players, they always come with a defensive culture. But now they got one of the best athletes and a great quarterback, the great Russian quarterback in Lamar Jackson. So they can win games two ways or three ways special teams, defense, and with a quarterback who has breakaway speed. I mean, you talk about a complete football team, a team like, to your point, who can do it in multiple ways. Yeah. That is the Baltimore Ravens. And it's been fun from an outsider's perspective to kind of see that identity. I don't want to say change, but evolve over the past couple of years since Lamar got there. Uh, the Chargers roster is very good. We say that every, every week, week, every week, JT. every year. But Justin Herbert, I think they'll make a coaching change. I'm surprised they haven't made one already. The Raiders made a coaching change. And that's going to be one of the best job openings in football next year is who's going to take the Charger job and have Justin Herbert in the beginning of the prime of his career. But look at Baltimore here as they closed out this game and they win 20-10. to 10. Devastating loss for the Chargers. 
mathematically, they're still alive, but by a thread. And as we look at the standings here, uh, the Raiders get an opportunity to maybe climb back to get the 7-7. and I think the Broncos at Houston is a huge game because they're a playoff contender, Mm -hmm. too. C.J. Stroud and Houston didn't play great against Jacksonville, but... If Denver can lose and go to 6-6 six and six and the Raiders can get the six wins and then have an opportunity to beat the Chargers if the Chargers are 4-8 and eight or 5-7, and seven, a lot's going to happen here in two weeks. Yeah, I mean, the reality is, JT, like, I know no one feels good looking at this graphic mm. at 5-7, and seven, but everything is still there for the silver and black in 2023. Yeah, they need a little mm. help now, and they've backed themselves yep. into a corner a little bit. But to your point, we were talking about it earlier, you know, we could do this show two weeks from today, or I guess technically three weeks mm. from today, and the Raiders could be at 500 still very much in the thick of things in the AFC. So, uh, I, like, to your point, I'm looking at this half glass or glass mm. half full. This team needs a break. Right, they've been going nonstop t- since July. Give these guys a few days, reset the mechanism, come back, handle business on Sunday, and we're off to the races again. Yeah, when I, when the schedule came out, Eddie, I thought the team would be six and six. Yeah, realistically, yeah. I'd like to see them have seven wins, but I, I thought six and six, figuring out their way, and then an opportunity to win four out of five. Right, that was mm-hmm. what I saw down the stretch with the schedule. But Indy's better; they're a potential playoff team. So is Denver. Minnesota's in the playoffs as of today. Raiders got to knock them out. So with all this happening here, as we've talked about heading into the bye week, at the bye week, they have to play their best game. We've been waiting for their best game. They haven't had a best game this year. They played well in the first quarter. They finished off the second half against the Jets, but in the first half they didn't play well. Where is the Raider game on the schedule where from the first snap to the end, they win in dominant fashion? And I'm not talking about the Giants who had a quarterback that not many people remember. This is a test with the Vikings. Have a big game that we can say is a signature win and then go on to a short week and beat the Chargers. That's what this coaching staff has to peak for. The coaches have to do a better job. The players have to do a better job. And I think as we started off, Maybe the Raiders will play more desperate. They'll play more aggressive, and that could flip the switch and be the difference with the schedule coming up. Yeah, and we've heard from Antonio Pierce, right? And I think one of the things that, that we, we kind of identified the Antonio Pierce era with is, is accountability, right? And he said the coach has got to be better. The player's got to be better. I, AP, have to be better. And so I, I don't think there's certainly a lack of, of clarity on what needs to be done, but it's go time right now. Yes, enjoy the bye. Turn your phone off. Get away from this game for a few days. But come back here next Monday ready to go because it is time to rock now. Yeah, and the team's been through a lot. There's been a coaching change, a GM, an offensive coordinator. There's been some personnel issues mm-hmm. this week with the release of two players. That is dramatic for football players who have friends and teammates here. They need to get away from football, as you said, completely shut it down. I think there's some injured players who will be in the building. Sure. They'll be in the building getting treatment, and then next week will jump on us really quick. So I'm excited about it. I think there's a lot to talk about. We want to thank all of our viewers and our listeners as we went live on all of our platforms. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy the bye week and get some time with your family, and then come back strong as the Raiders are going to need your Raider Nation for the Vikings and the Chargers back-to-back. Thanks for listening and watching Raiders Roundtable.